Well, hello. I want to welcome you to this edition of the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast, where we are looking to bring the Lordship of Jesus to life, and we're so glad that you are tuning in. You know, we're uh, in a series right now uh, at Livingstone's Church on Sundays called Undefeated, and the whole goal of this series is to really establish a theology of hope. You know, I have found that when people have hope, uh, it changes everything. In fact, I, I've, I've been making the point that nothing good has ever happened in, uh, in a culture anywhere in the world uh, from people who were hopeless and full of despair. Quite to the contrary, it's when you uh, possess a powerful theology of hope that you are willing to look at the world uh, through eyes of faith and you begin to realize that with the Lord nothing is impossible and, uh, and that we always have hope. And so I want to encourage you, especially in these times when things are, are shaking, uh, when it seems like there's more and more uncertainty, we're looking at skyrocketing inflation, we see all the cargo ships sitting out in, in, the, um, in the waters or waiting to uh, get the supply lines uh, fed again, and all kinds of stuff, gas prices skyrocketing. Uh, all of this, of course, is, is because of um, ungodly leadership and ungodly principles, and ideas do have consequences. That's been part of Part of the uh, the underlying thesis of this podcast is what we believe and and how those beliefs take you know concrete action in our culture, larger culture, really impacts the way that we live, and we're seeing the the full impact of uh, of ideas and the consequences of those ideas. So how important it is that we get rooted in hope, and I I, I have this thesis as well. If you want to find hope. You need to find truth, and if you can put your feet planted firmly on God's truth and God's promises, it will inspire hope. In fact, that was our, our message from last Sunday's sermon. I encourage you to go to our, uh, our, our website at lstones.org and, and hit the media button and give that message a listen to because what I established was the fact that the Bible is so full of the promises of God uh, for hope for America today. And, uh, and we should never be hopeless because the promises of God are never too good to be true. They're all good and they're all true. And, uh, and, and that's, that's amazing. So this coming Sunday, we're going to be focusing on hope and the power of God. And, uh, and when you look at history, you've seen that and sometimes in the darkest times uh, on planet Earth, uh, it's, it, it's, it is a backdrop for the goodness and the faithfulness of God to be demonstrated and the power of God to be demonstrated. And, and I've seen this to be true. No matter how dark uh, our circumstances are um, or how long it's been you know, dark and painful, God can reverse things in such a short amount of time. That's what he's proven through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so our confidence is not in business as usual or the status quo. Our confidence is in the power of the Holy Spirit to change situations and to do so rapidly. And so that's where our hope lies. So anyway, that's a little a little uh, taste of, of where we've been at on Sunday mornings. And I encourage you, if you're looking for hope, go back and listen to those messages and meditate on the scriptures uh, that I share. And hopefully that will cause you uh, to have a renewed sense of faith in what God is doing and what God wants to do in and through you. Uh, so uh, tune in on that. Uh, we're going to be entering today the final episode with David Rubin. David is the former mayor of Shiloh, Israel. Uh, he has started uh, an incredible ministry that touches the hearts and lives of children who have been 
uh, impact and traumatized through terrorist activities. And, you know, I shared with you my, my one and only visit thus far to Israel. I pray by the grace of God I'm able to go back. But it was so life-changing and powerful because I was able to hear uh, and see uh, what these precious people are going through on a on a daily basis, living under the the threat of of terrorism and violence uh, nearly every day of their lives, and um, I can't imagine living that way. But but David is somebody who's been powerfully impacted uh, by the miraculous uh, protection of God Almighty, and he's taken what was a tragic and painful situation and a traumatic situation in his own family, and turned that into something that is bringing life and hope. Uh, to so many children, uh, uh, 2,000 plus right now that they're caring for and, and teaching and training and, and helping. Uh, and so it was a privilege to have David here. It was a privilege to sow uh, in, uh, resources into his ministry. As I mentioned, he's written like six different books, I believe. You can find those on Amazon or wherever else you get your, you, you get your books. But look up David Rubin and you'll find a, a whole assortment of incredible books that I think you'll find as a blessing. And this third and final episode, we really get into a lot of the issues that, that uh, we're facing in America today um, from radical elements. And David offers a lot of help to us because, of course, Israel has been dealing with this type of um, attacks and terrorist behavior for a long, long time. This is something relatively new where we experienced in the last couple of years on American soil. Um, but he offers a lot of very practical insights and advice to us on how to deal um, with some of the radical elements. And really, we talk about everything from open borders. We talk about Marxist uh, movements in America. Uh, we talk about censorship. Uh, we talk about how uh, we should not be offering appeasement uh, and giving away uh, what we know to be our liberties and our freedoms for what seems like uh, temporary peace or a truce. Uh, and so I think you're going to really, really enjoy what David has to say. So without further ado, let's go ahead and pick up on uh, David Rubin. This is our third podcast. I hope you enjoy it. So praise God for his leadership. But what I was getting at before, and I want to, I want to hear your opinion on this. We, we, we love legal immigration. We believe America is strengthened by the beauty of the, of the nations. We are not for illegal immigration. And right now we have a lawless border uh, that is allowing anybody to come into this country. And uh, talk to us about that, because obviously the enemies, we're, we're the big, uh, what do they call us? We're the big Satan and you're the little Satan, or you're the big Satan, we're the little Satan. But we're in this together. No, we're, we're, we're little. So. You're the little one. Right? We're, we're the little You're the guys. little one. America is the big Satan, all right? At least they, according, according to the, yeah. the Ayatollah. Yes. All right? They hate us. And so the fact we have a porous southern border, obviously, is not a good thing. No. Um, why should we be concerned from your perspective? You guys have dealt with terrorism a lot longer than we've had to. Well, you have to be concerned about the porous southern border for a, a number of reasons. Obviously, uh, there, there, there is a, uh, there, there's a demographic threat when you don't bring people into your country based on what they can contribute to your country. Uh, that, that is serious. That is very serious. Uh, obviously, there is a, a threat from the terrorism. And even going back to the first Bush administration, uh, there, there was a subcommittee in Congress uh, that discussed this. 
uh, and I don't, I don't know, people seem to have forgotten about that, but uh, in that subcommittee it was revealed that the Hamas terrorist organization and the Hezbollah terrorist organization and Al-Qaeda were active at the southern border of the United States and in Central America, Central America, not Mexico, uh, in, in trying to bring Muslims into the United States, to smuggle Muslims into the United States. They gave them Spanish surnames and they smuggled them into the United States. This has been going on for a couple of decades now and, and most people aren't even aware of that. Sure, so we should be incredibly concerned because I want you all to see this. Only Christians and Jewish folk who have a Judeo-Christian common heritage truly understand tolerance, right? Tolerance doesn't mean we agree with everybody. It means we agree to live together and respect each other's differences. I hope you're watching that the tolerance that has been a, a Judeo-Christian value has been absolutely twisted because we've lost truth. And what we're finding now is the very tolerance that used to be a strength of America is now being used by our enemies to infiltrate America and to attack us from within because we've lost truth. We've embraced tolerance over truth. And so we're at a very, very vulnerable place now. In fact, I'm laughing as you're talking about not being able to say the G word. I don't know how we're going to advertise this podcast on Facebook because if we mention certain words, we're going to be accused of Islamophobia. You know, uh, Pastor Andrew always tells me, you can't say those words because the logarithm will pick it up and it'll shut us down on, on uh, Facebook. So we, we literally are witnessing censorship across the board. Uh, how about this? When a, when a seated president of the United States is banned from social media, but terrorist organizations are still allowed to use the platform. I mean, have we lost our minds? It's like people are trying to destroy our country. I mean, if you were putting together a blueprint for destroying America, it's happening right now uh, by people that are supposed to be representing us. I mean, these are terribly unsettling times. And I'm listening to my message in my head this morning. If we didn't believe together that there's a great and mighty God on, on his throne and that history is his story, these would be things we could lose sleep over at night because this is happening in a very intentional way in America right now. And it's obviously happening in Israel, and that's what links us together is this growing threat. So what do we need to do in a practical way? These are a lot of great folks. We're trying to raise families. We're trying to go to work. We're trying to be good citizens. I mean, sometimes this feels overwhelming. Like, what do we do? That's a loaded question. <laughs> if you had the answer, you might be able to solve all the world's problems right now. But what would you say? I mean, you, you deal with this every day, and obviously you're rolling up your sleeves. You start this great ministry. You're, it's you're a, ministering to it's kids. An open, it's an open-ended question, yes. Uh, we need to take action, and people need to take action uh, not just by voting in presidential elections, and of course everyone needs to be doing that, and voting also in the congressional elections, everyone needs to be doing that, and in local elections, but, but that's not enough. That's not enough. Uh, people need to be active on the local level, on the most local levels, and, that, and that's not just uh, not just having families and raising children and, and, and if you can, raising a lot of children and, and educating them well and not sending them to 
uh, to colleges that are going to poison their brains. And uh, I, I'm not against... I'm not against college. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm in favor of college. I'm, I mean, I, I did a lot of that myself. But they have to be prepared for it. They need to be well prepared. And, and you have to choose your colleges very carefully. Uh, because uh, unfortunately, those colleges have been taken over by the far left. Now, the far left has been active since the 1960s. You should know this. It's not something that started with Barack Obama. Uh, and, and, and his unique brand of, of radical leftism. It's something that started in the 1960s. Uh, it started with his associate, Bill Ayers, and people like him, uh, who, in Chicago, who, who, who were trying to spread uh, this radicalism, this radical Marxism that is, that, that is taking over uh, a, a lot of the colleges. Uh, I, I think it's very, very important to understand what is happening. Now, since the 1960s, they have been working at the grassroots level. This is all documented in my books. They have been working at the grassroots level to change America. That's why you've heard this expression, we're going to change America. Uh, we, we've heard it from so many politicians on the left. And they, they've been working to change America at the grassroots, not just at the political level, at the grassroots with the school boards. And I say, you want to change America? Run for the local school board and get an alliance of people to run with you. That is where the change is happening. That is where it has been happening for several decades. You do not need to have children in public schools to run for a school board. You do not need to have children of school age to run for the local school boards. Uh, you, you can make a huge difference uh, by doing something like that. Get involved in the media if you can. Uh, support the media, the, the sane media if you can. And, and the, the, these are just a couple of the things that you can do. And, and work on your families. And, and, and you know, the pastor could, could give you a lot of suggestions for that. And, and you know, honor, honor the, 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 the Sabbath day. Uh, and wh whether you do it on Saturday or do it on Sunday, honor Sabbath day and, and make it a time when, when that is a sacred time for family, that families are together and doing things together and talking to each other, putting away the cell phones and talking to each other. Come on, that'll please. That is essential. <laughs> and believe me, I, I, I told you, I, my 18-year-old my son, who is my youngest child, uh, sends me text messages all the time, and some of our best conversation is on WhatsApp, uh, but... But, but we have those 24 hours a week when all the cell phones are turned off and our computers are turned off and we don't even answer the telephone and we spend time, real quality time together speaking to each other, 
talking about the lessons in Judaism, uh, talking about the lessons in the Bible that we can learn from, and talking about uh, about our lives and, and speaking openly together. That is critical. Yeah. I think sometimes we get overwhelmed with the big global scene. But what I hear you saying is, bloom where you're planted. You know, start in your home. Start with your children. Start in your local church. Get involved in the local government. Uh, in other words, roll up your sleeves and do something about what you have authority and influence over. We might not be able to influence Jerusalem or Washington, D.C., at least directly, um, but we can't influence our backyard. We can't influence our schools. We can influence our neighborhoods, our churches, and our families. Yeah. Well, I, I know that I can influence Jerusalem. Yes, you I know can. that every single thing that, every, every project of the Shiloh Israel Children's Fund is, is heard in Jerusalem, and, that, yeah. and it, it influences it impacts the political situation. That's why I say uh, that, that, that we want to heal the trauma of the terror victim children and rebuild the biblical heartland of Israel through the children because once we get up to a population point uh, that, that, that can't be reversed, uh, then, then we know that uh, the, the political situation will be impacted. But you can impact this political situation here as well uh, and uh, first of all, uh, do not, one basic lesson that I discussed in my book, Confronting Radicals, What America Can Learn from Israel, is do not appease radicals. And it doesn't matter whether they are Muslim radicals in, in Israel demanding a Palestinian state in the biblical heartland of Israel, or whether they are radicals burning down American cities and looting American stores and trying to destroy the capitalist system. That's what the looting is all about. And, and that's why it's supported by radical organizations like Black Lives Matter and Antifa, because they, they are promoting the destruction of the free market system. They know exactly what they're doing. So you don't appease them by defunding the police. I remember when they, when they were demanding the complete defunding of the police, uh, which by the way, uh, the, 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 the partial defunding of the police uh, that President Biden or candidate Biden supported and that many others in the, in the Democrat party supported, uh, that, that partial defunding of the police is called appeasement. It's giving the wolf a little bit of the meat uh, and believing that he's not going to devour the human. Yeah. Uh, that, that's appeasement. Appeasement does not work. In fact, it works the opposite direction. So do not appease radicals because uh, they will take it, they will pocket what, the, what you give them, and they will go for the jugular. Yeah. You know, I want to make it very clear. We're talking here not about ethnicity. We're not talking here about political parties. We're talking, this is important, we're talking about ideas. We're it has nothing, to, nothing at all, I, I just want to state, it has nothing at all to do with ethnicity when you criticize those radical protest protests, those radical, yeah. uh, well, we uh, I, don't know, I don't know what you want to call it, riots and looting. Uh, it has, no, it had, has nothing to do with racism. When, when, when you go into, the, into uh, community businesses in, in 
all kinds of ethnic communities and you, and you, and you burn their stores and you take away their produce uh, that, that, that is, you know, they, they've worked hard at. They've built up their, their, their whole lives around. Uh, it has nothing to do with race at all. Yeah, absolutely. But I think it's important. So we're not saying we hate Arab people. That's not the message. What we hate is the message, the ideology behind Islam. What we're saying is we hate the message, the Marxist message behind many of these fronts who, who say things that sound good like we should all say, yay. But when you look at the stated values behind them, they're clearly Marxist. So let's not be foolish and let's not sell our birthright and let's not be one of those woke church, woke churches that have no sense of clear moral compass. And let's certainly not parceling, you know, give away our, 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 pot, or our birthright for a bunch of pottage can because I, at the end we have nothing. Can I just say something? There, there, is a, a, there is an Arab family in California that has been giving $30 a month for the past 15 years. And, and uh, they, you know, he grew up in, in Jordan and he came to America and, and he, he became biblically connected, biblically connected Christian. Uh, and uh, I don't care that he's an Arab. I, I, there, there are many Arabs who I'm very friendly with. Uh, that's, that's why I usually, uh, you know, even though, even though people in Israel will very often talk about Arabs without, without identifying uh, Muslims, I, I, I always emphasize to them that you have to emphasize that we're talking about Muslims here. We're talking about an ideology, yeah. and that we're not talking about an ethnicity. And, and you highlight all of this, and we don't need to pop another false bubble here. There's no, Islam is not a religion of peace. Don't ever let anybody tell you that. That is a politically correct, nonsensical statement. When you look and you highlight, that's why I love your books, you highlight quotes from Islamic leaders uh, who are saying peace on one hand, and then when they're speaking in Arabic to their people, they're saying death to America, death to Israel, and the clear, the clear vision is a global vision of conquest, and you're in the way, Americans are in the way, we're the big Satan, you're the little Satan, but we're both on the same target. And so if we just fall into all this religion of peace nonsense, now let, let me just tell you, as soon as we say that we don't agree, I mean, you know, that's when we get attacked big time. So I want to encourage you, we're going to get attacked big time, all right? Because we have to stand up at some point and speak the truth before it's too late. And there is going to be some pushback. I just want to encourage you, though. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. That's why we have the Word of God. That's why we have the miracles of God, the power of God, and the protection of God. But we do need to stand up and tell the truth. That is the truth. Islam is dangerous to any nation. Just ask the people living under that Sharia law, living under that brutality. Ask the women in Arab countries how they like that. Um, and we need to trumpet this as part of the good news of the gospel. And i got to tell you one more story. When I'm trying to go to your beloved country, I have to go through a very rigorous customs point there. They're asking all these kinds of questions, and they're looking at my passport. And on my passport, I've been to Pakistan. Now, we know Pakistan and Israel are not really chummy, right? Because of ideology. But here's what I want you to see. I also had on my passport a stamp for India. India and Pakistan are not real chummy. In fact, Pakistan exists because of a massive war with the Hindus. So we got Hindus 
hating Muslims and Muslims hating Hindus, and we got Jews that are concerned about, about Muslims from Pakistan and terror and all, as they should be. But here's what I love on my passport. It's a kingdom passport. I'm telling these folks, you know what? I'm not here to promote Islam. I'm here to love these people. And there are great people in Pakistan who love Jesus, just like there's great people in Israel who love God and who love Christ as well. So it's the kingdom that brings us together and allows us to go to the nations, red and yellow, black and white. It doesn't matter the color. What matters is the message of the king. And ours is a message of liberation, transformation, kindness, compassion, blessing. Everywhere the gospel goes and the Judeo-Christian worldview goes, people are elevated and blessed. That's the good news of the kingdom. And that's what I think we need to be clear about. We need to speak with clarity. This is not an anti-Muslim night here tonight. This is a God loves people night, and we love the nations of the world, and we hate evil, and we want to promote righteousness. So I'm going to give you a final volley. I appreciate everybody's patience tonight, and sure appreciate your heart. If you could be on national television, Fox News, and they gave you the microphone and said, David, what would you like to say to America? What would be your heart? If you could, if you, and you're an American, so you're not speaking as a foreigner, but what would you say to the American church, to American Jews, to our nation at such a time as this, what would be the burning message in your heart? That wasn't well, uh, the sheet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Amer American Jews are a category unto themselves. <laughs> that was a loaded question, wasn't it? <laughs> Um, hey, okay, we, we got about no, 10 no, minutes. No, 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 but I have, I, I, I have answered that question specifically. Okay, okay so, so I'll, I'll divide the question, okay? So I'll, uh, American Jews, I was asked uh, when I, I was on Fox once, um, on Fox Business Channel, Stuart Varney, and, um, and he, he asked me a, a question about uh, American Jews. And he, he said, you know, David, you've been on this show many times, but, but uh, I, I'm, you know, I have to ask you, why are American Jews uh, not coming out in big numbers for President Trump? Not President Trump, for Donald Trump. At that time, he wasn't yet president. And, and I, he said, what? You know, what is it? What is it with the American Jewish community? And I told him, uh, and, and at that time there was, uh, they had this, this commentator uh, judge something. I don't remember what his, I, I, I've forgotten his name. It's been a, a while since I was on that show. Uh, but uh, Judge Napolitano, right? Yeah. So, so, so he's sitting there and and he's listening. And I, I said, American Jews, unfortunately, and I wrote a lot about this in detail in, in my book, Trump and the Jews, American Jews are disconnected from their biblical roots. And there, there is that 10%, uh, 10 to 15% perhaps, of the American Jewish community that is that is uh, Orthodox Jews, when, and Orthodox Jews just means, for your information, uh, the Jews who are connected to their biblical roots. 
to the Jews that believe that Scripture is God's Word. And uh, the Jews, by the way, uh, you may have heard the expression conservative Jews and reformed Jews. Uh, the conservative Jews are not conservative. They're only conservative relative to the reform, uh, but, or they used to be. Uh, now, that, now the reformed Jews and the so-called conservative Jews are about the same. They're all the way in the left. Uh, but, and, and they're actually secular, you know, secular Jews. It's like a, a paradox. It uh, doesn't make sense. Many and that's what atheists. I, Many of them are atheists. Absolutely. They, the, the American Jews are the most religiously disconnected group, religious group in America. That's what the research shows. Uh, why that is, well, you could read Trump and the Jews and find out. But, but the, uh, the, it's a, a big problem. And what I said on Fox News that day was, was that was that the Jewish people are the, are the people who had the privilege of standing there at the base of, of Mount Sinai as Moses was receiving the Ten Commandments and coming down and presenting those Ten Commandments to his people and ultimately to the world. And uh, so, so uh, to be a chosen people of the Almighty, there is no greater privilege, and, and American Jews uh, are, should be invited to wake up and understand that. And, uh, and, and that's, what I, that's what I said on, on, on that show. And then, uh, then afterwards, as I, as I had left, left the studio, and uh, Napolitano also left the studio, and he, and he comes running after me, uh, Mr. Mayor, Mr. Mayor, and <laughs> and I turned around and and he, I see Judge Napolitano is running after me. He said, he said, I just want you to know, I have never heard any Jews speaking like that. And you know, so I said, well, obviously you've you've never never met a Jew like me who is connected to his biblical roots, and there are a lot of us, and especially in Israel. And we are growing in Israel. The traditional population in Israel is growing. Uh, the, the, the families are becoming stronger and people are having more children. And, you know, for years they've been saying, you have to create a Palestinian state because if you don't create a Palestinian state, uh, that the Arab population growth is going to overrun you. Uh, well, at this point, the Jewish and the Muslim population growth, the, the birth rate, are, are about equal in Israel. And the Jewish population is going up and the Muslim population growth is going down. So that, that is the trend in Israel. People are getting more connected to their biblical roots. And hopefully, if, if, if that, the relationship between Israel and the United States, United States is strengthened, well, that will strengthen uh, the... Well, what Israel can, what America can learn from Israel, uh, I think that's one of the greatest lessons that America can learn from the trends in Israel today, and hopefully it will resonate in America, and we will see more of that growth and that connection to to biblical roots in the United States as well, Amen. and that's that's a message that I think is is critical for these times. Amen. Well, hey. 
I want you to know uh, you have friends in Crown Point, Indiana, and uh, we love you. I know that. We're for you. Uh, whatever we can do to partner in the future, just know uh, uh, you've got favor here. We're so grateful that you took time out of your busy life uh, to come spend time with us. Can we just honor our dear friend one more time? Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, that was David Rubin, and we're grateful that he was with us, and I hope you've enjoyed uh, these podcasts as we have allowed him to speak into kind of American culture as somebody who's both uh, an American citizen and an Israeli citizen. Uh, And again, I I hope you'll uh, follow up on some of David's resources. You know, next week when we come back together, I'll be with my partner in crime here, uh, Pastor Andrew Meng, who offers uh, some great commentary and insight uh, by his own right. So I'll be looking forward to joining him. And we're going to be talking about... uh, some very practical worldview issues and some of the idols that are seeking to uh, take the Lord's place in American culture today. Basically, we want to highlight the fact that from a worldview perspective, all of life is religious, all of life is sacred. There is not one square inch on planet Earth that remains neutral. Uh, If you reject God, something will fill the void. And we're going to talk about some of the common idols, some of the, the imposters, Uh, Some of those who are competing uh, with God Almighty uh, for preeminence in American culture. So you're not going to want to miss that. We hope you'll tune in next Thursday. Until then, God bless you. Have an amazing week.